chosen a number of verses out of Numbers 19 as the text this morning. First of all, Numbers 19, verse 9, where it says, Then a man who is clean shall gather up the ashes of the heifer and store them outside the camp in a clean place. And they shall be kept for the congregation of the children of Israel for the water of purification. It is for purifying from sin. And then verses 17 to 18. And for an unclean person, they shall take some of the ashes of the heifer burnt for purification from sin, and running water shall be put on them in a clean vessel. A clean person shall take hyssop and dip it in the water, sprinkle it on the tent and on the vessels, on the persons who were there, or on the one who touched a bone, the slain, the dead, or a grave. And then finally, verse 20. But the man who is unclean and does not purify himself, that person shall be cut off from among the assembly because he has defiled the sanctuary of the Lord. The water of purification has not been sprinkled on him. He is unclean. So far the text. Beloved congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, so we continue with our series on the book of Numbers. And wow, Numbers 19 is not an easy chapter to digest. The main topic of this chapter isn't that nice either, death. But let's face it, death is a power we all have to do with at one time or another. In our families, among our friends, how many of us haven't stood at a graveside? And when will it be our turn? The last I heard, the death rate is still one out of one. Death seems to have the final say in everyone's life. Every day we live here is a day less for us. And that's why the form we read at every infant baptism calls our lives a constant death. We seem to be born to die. But that's not true, congregation. As believers, we know better, right? This afternoon, the Lord willing, we celebrate the Lord's Supper. And then we remember the most important death ever, namely the death of our Lord Jesus Christ on the cross. His death, we could say his death is the ultimate medicine against death, which came into the world as a result of sin. Christ's death for us doesn't only keep death at a distance, but it gives us escape from death forever. As the Lord Jesus said, he who believes in me, even though he dies, yet he lives. Christ's death for his people means that for us, as believers, death has been defeated has lost its sting. And because of Christ, we may trust that our parting at death is just temporary. Well, our text in Numbers 19 this morning actually points to that antidote to death. And I preach to you the word of God in that passage with this theme, the Lord gives medicine against death. We consider three things. 
First, the preparation of this medicine. Secondly, the cleansing with this medicine. And thirdly, the warning that comes with this medicine. First of all, the preparation. Congregation, I speak in the theme of a medicine or antidote against death. But you couldn't buy this medicine or this antidote at the pharmacy. No, even though the Lord gave his people this medicine, they had to prepare it themselves. And there was a whole preparation system, ritual of preparation, process, also for the application of this medicine. And the Lord God wanted his people to go through all of that, that whole ritual, because that's how he could keep the attention of his people focused on the problem of death and the solution he gives to that. Death and decay has come into this world because of the fall into sin in the beginning. And the Israelites regularly came into contact with death as they then journeyed through the wilderness toward the promised land. Animals died. People died on a regular basis in the camp. Pretty well every day, we could say. It became something, in fact, they got used to. And God doesn't want his people to become used to death. We may never see Death as part of life, which you simply need to accept. You hear that sometimes today. Death is part of life. No, we, we have to see, keep seeing death as an enemy, as an intruder, which has come into this world as a result of our fall. It doesn't belong here. It's not part of life. And that's something God's people constantly have to keep in mind. We believe in the God of life. And in Israel, the tabernacle, God's dwelling place on earth in the middle, was in the middle of the Israelite camp. So the holy God of life could live among his people. And God and death can't really exist together. God and death as a consequence of sin don't belong together. Well, in order to impress that on his people Israel, God gave them those laws of uncleanness with respect to the touching of a dead body, of a person or an animal or a bone or even a a grave. They would be unclean. They had to go through that ritual of cleansing. And that's also why he gave them that antidote to prepare and a whole ritual for that medicine to deal with that uncleanness because of death. The Lord God gave them a means to deal with death in a way that reminds them that it's not part of life. And in a way that assures them that he can and will overcome death for them too. In fact, congregation, in that whole ritual in Numbers 19, the Lord even shows them something of how he is going to defeat death. He shows them that death will be overcome by a death. That's central to the whole ritual. 
death overcome by a death. A red heifer had to be brought to the priest. A heifer without any blemish at all. A heifer which had not suffered under the burden of a yoke. In other words, it had to be a strong animal full of life. A red heifer, the color red, most likely symbolic of red blood, in which is the life of, of beings, represents vitality. Well, that, that animal representing life had to be taken outside the camp, away from the holy place where the God of life dwelt among his people, and it had to be killed out there. And then the priest took some of the blood of that red heifer in a container into the camp in front of the tabernacle. And there he would sprinkle it seven times in front of the tent of meeting. Seven times, number of perfection, fullness. And then the body of that heifer, its hide, flesh, and blood, and organs were all to be completely burned up until there was nothing left but a little heap of ashes. And the priest also had to throw some cedar wood, symbol of life too, long life, longevity. A branch of hyssop, cleansing, had to do with cleansing. And some red or scarlet cloths, also representing life. He had to throw them into the fire in which the heifer was being consumed. And that signified that life had been completely taken away, consumed by death. And the men who were involved in that ritual were supposed to wash themselves and their clothes afterward because they had become unclean themselves because they had been involved in the death of that heifer. But then in verse 9, the first verse of our text, things take a turn. Those ashes were important. They had to be gathered up and stored in an urn. And then when needed, those ashes were mixed with water. And you had a a mixture then which constituted an antidote, a purifying medicine against sin and its consequence, which is death. And you realize, congregation, that with those laws about death and uncleanness and those ashes of the heifer mixed with water in Numbers 19... The Lord God was pointing the Israelites ahead to the work of Jesus Christ. The glorious work of Christ. In him was the fullness of life and is the fullness of life. As God's son, he has eternal life with his father. But he became mortal man. He humbled himself. Came here on earth as mortal man. Gave himself over completely to death, to the accursed death on the cross, set up outside the city of Jerusalem, out of sight of the holy place of the temple, outside the camp, you could say. Hell and death consumed him there completely. He, who had life in himself as God's son, let himself be completely Put to death. Allowed his body to be broken and his blood to be shed. But it's exactly in that way he became the source of life for all who believe in him. 
His death has become our medicine against death as the consequence of sin. Though, as I mentioned here, our lives here are a constant death, we can seek our life outside of ourselves in Christ. And with that bit of ash mixed with water, the Lord God wanted to teach his Old Testament people, Israel, to look forward to that coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. To the defeat of death. To the coming of the Messiah who through his death would become the ultimate medicine against sin and death. And by means of the Lord's Supper today, he calls also the New Testament church to focus all hope and comfort on Christ's death on the cross outside the camp. Through his death, we have life that goes way beyond this life. Mentioned it already, John 11, the Lord Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. And then he adds there, do you believe this? We come to the second thing that comes to the fore in the text for this morning. The cleansing with this medicine. Well, those ashes were then to be mixed with water and sprinkled on persons and on everything that had become unclean through being in contact with a dead body or a grave or a dead person, bone of a dead person. <clears throat> they were purified by sprinkling of water. You know, they took some hyssop, dipped it in that water, and then sprinkled it on the tent and all the other items and on the person. Notice, congregation, that this antidote against death was not intended to be used on those who had died or who were dying. No. You'd think that they would need this medicine against death, but no, God prescribes that medicine for those who are still alive, who had been in contact with death. They need to learn while they are still alive. They need to learn about God's grace. They had become unclean, but they might still think that at least they had escaped death themselves. It's, it's that person, at least it's not me. You see, they needed to realize that they were wrong in, in thinking that way. They had to be reminded that death has also touched them and that their own lives as such were also a constant death and that someday they too would die. It isn't so that death just strikes, strikes randomly here and there in the camp of Israel. No, everybody was affected by death and every death was the evidence of that and the uncleanness of the living who came into contact with such a death were a powerful reminder of that. So death and sin constantly stood between God and his people. Death caused uncleanness. And anyone who was unclean was not allowed to approach God's dwelling place. And whoever even touched such a person who had become unclean through touching you could become unclean yourself, too. The unclean was, was contagious, you could say. And think, congregation, what that meant for Israel in the wilderness at that time for their everyday life. They were busy with that all the time. 
Only a few chapters before our text, you remember how the Israelites did not obey God's command to take over the land because they didn't trust him. They were afraid of the nations and the cities who lived there. Only Joshua and Caleb said, let's go in. But they refused. And at that time, the Lord God had decreed that all the people 20 years up and, old, and, and up would die in the wilderness without seeing the promised land. So death would be Israel's constant companion in the wilderness. Thousands of people had to die before seeing the promised land. It'd be a constant companion for them. And so many had already perished due to the rebelliousness against the Lord God. We're told in number 16 that almost 15,000 Israelites died because of a plague as a result of the rebellion of Korah. 15,000. So the Israelites were certainly well acquainted with death. It even would have seemed that death reigned supreme among them. Constantly so many people unclean because of death. Someone died, someone touched someone who had touched someone who died, and so on. Constantly would God be able to go on with Israel. A nation always fighting off this uncleanness. Well, it's exactly in that situation that the Lord God gives Israel that antidote to death. Medicine against the uncleanness because of death. Whenever there was uncleanness due to contact with death, the living could make use of water containing those ashes of the red heifer. Could have it sprinkled on them by a priest and so be clean before God again. There was a way to cleanse yourself. From the uncleanness of death. Time and again they were allowed to extract themselves from the hold which death had on them. And commune with the God of life again. Go to the tabernacle again. So on the one hand that water of purification taught the Israelites that of themselves they were unworthy of life. That they had no right to life of themselves. We're all condemnable in ourselves because of our sin and therefore unable to go forward with God on our own, the holy God of life. The way forward to life with God is blocked by death, by sin and death. On the other hand, through that pure rite of purification, the Israelites could also know that God wasn't going to accept that sad situation with his people. In spite of the pervasiveness of death, He still wanted to go forward with his people. He wanted to provide cleansing from the uncleanness of death as a consequence of sin. And he provided this antidote. As long as they used that means of cleansing in faith, they could go on with God. So the Lord God provided hope for Israel, which lay in the middle of death. Simple water mixed with the ashes of a red heifer. Death wouldn't have the last say. God's mercy would. And they could see that clearly, that their God was stronger than death even. What a joy, congregation, that we today may celebrate the victory of Christ over sin and death. We have received the medicine against death which that water with ashes could only point to yet 
the supreme antidote to death which is much more powerful than that water of purification described in our text. That water of purification only purified those Israelites on the outside when they came into contact with the dead body. They could become unclean one week. If someone died in their family, they could become unclean the following week if a friend of theirs had passed on. It only purified the flesh, the outside, and then temporarily, as, as we read in Hebrews 9, verse 13, but how much more shall the blood of Christ, it continues in Hebrews 9, verse 14, through the, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. In other words, the issue with death is simply more than just a physical degeneration or soul. It's not a physical issue, just. It's the consequence of sin inside us which separates us from the living God. And that's what Christ came to deal with. He cleanses, heals us from the inside so that sin no longer has a hold on us. We still have that sinful nature in us, but Christ has obtained for us a life-giving spirit who works in us so that sin no longer reigns in us. We want to serve God again with our whole lives, and Christ works that in us by his spirit. He lets us go forward with God, gives us the beginning of new life now, which will become full and perfect life afterwards, after we leave this life. And that brings us to the last part of the sermon too, the warning that was given with this medicine. You realize, brothers and sisters, that the Israelites needed faith to use this medicine against death, to prepare it and use it. The water with those ashes mixed in it must have not have looked very appealing to have sprinkled all, all over you, kind of murky water. And the benefit of being sprinkled with it wasn't obvious either. It actually didn't change anything in you physically. It just made you a bit dirty. So it's possible that some people didn't see the need for that purification, that ritual with water and ashes. Why would you go through all that hocus-pocus because of being in direct or indirect contact with a dead body or, or so? What difference would it really make? What, would it, what could it do for you? Well, the Lord God warned the Israelites against thinking like that in unbelief. And he gave a serious warning. Such, such uh, unbelieving indifference to God's command, would not go unpunished. Might look like it. They could walk around. They could walk away from the camp. But it wasn't going to go unpunished. Whoever did not take the power of death as a result of sin seriously and didn't think he or she really needed that purification ritual, that person was actually playing with his or her life. Whoever refused that medicine God gave against death, that person refused the life that only God is able to give. 
that person would be banished from the assembly of God's people and so given over to death even though they still breathed they were actually given over to death and ultimately to eternal death that's something for us to think about today congregation for not only has the message expressed in that ritual with that water purification become more powerful for us in Christ but the warning with that has become more serious for us too Think of what it says just after that section we read from the, letter, from the letter to the Hebrews. What it says in Hebrews 10, 28 and 29. It says there, anyone who rejected Moses' law, as for instance in our text, that law about purification, would die without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. Of how much worse punishment do you suppose will he be thought worthy of who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, counted the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified, a common thing, and insulted the Spirit of grace. Think about it. God wants to purify us with Christ's blood. And that's promised us in our baptism and at the Lord's Supper celebration. At the Lord's Supper, God holds out to us the food and drink to life everlasting in a very visual way. John Calvin said that the purifying blood of Christ is actually sprinkled on the whole congregation in every worship service when the word is proclaimed and sung about. The blood of Christ is sprinkled on you, cleansing, purifying blood. And we could apply that to every home visit, every catechism class, every devotion at home. The the blood of Christ, which is the antidote against death, is sprinkled on us in word and sacrament. Sprinkled over our lives. But God wants us to be there to receive and accept that sprinkling, that medicine in sincere faith. It might seem sometimes like it has little effect. You know, People can look down on going to church, sitting with those people. What do I get out of it? It might seem like it has little effect and that you could just do just as well without that sprinkling with the blood of Christ through the word. Because a lot of people seem to do fine without it, apparently. Don't be fooled. If you become indifferent toward the gospel of Christ careless about being in worship or opening God's word yourself, careless about the sacraments, then you end up giving yourself over again to the power of death. God gives you the escape from that in all these things. If you don't see the need to escape the hold death has on you and you ignore the will of God who wants to give you abundant life in word and sacrament, and you take part too only out of custom, or you're careless about it, you're playing with your life. As it says in Hebrews 10.31, it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. 
Congregation, let's wrap that up. Wrap this up then. Let's let ourselves be sprinkled in word and sacrament today with that ultimate medicine against death as a consequence of sin. Let's let ourselves be sprinkled with the precious and life-giving blood of Jesus Christ. Let's let ourselves be purified by that blood even every day again. Amen.